0: Hi, and welcome everyone to the 100th episode of CM Rocks. This is Markus Allanson, and today's podcast will be about Power Virtual Agent. And with me today, I have Emma Darcy from Applied Information Science. Emma is a power platform expert with over 10 years experience in the industry with a passion for sales and marketing, originally from Dublin, Ireland, She now resides in Philadelphia with her two cats, Oscar and Louis. Sometimes she builds cool bots with power virtual agents. Welcome, Emma Dorsey.
1: Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. I'm really excited.
0: You're also known as Tattooed Serum Girl and a lot easier to Google by that name, I must say.
1: (laughs) Yep, you can thank Chris Huntingford for that one. Thanks, Chris.
0: Because I, I tried to Google you by Emma Darcy, and that, would, that turned out to be a lot noise about just someone else.
1: Yeah, there's some actress with my name, how dare she? Everyone's been sending me pictures of her face being like, I didn't know you acted as well. I'm like, that's not me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so that was a fun experience. So the tattooed serum girl, do you like that nickname?
1: I absolutely love it. I actually wrote a blog about it on um, TechNet, the Humans of IT blog from Microsoft, and kind of talked a little bit about how in the past having tattoos and looking different was actually considered a negative thing when it came to your career progression. So I talked a little bit about how I've actually made my tattoos and my big ears, I have stretch gauges for those of you who don't know what I look like, uh, into my whole business brand. So yeah, I actually absolutely adore the nickname I was given.
0: Okay, that, that's very nice very lovely so as a power platform expert what is it that you do
1: so at the moment, I am a senior power platform developer at Applied Information Sciences. I currently work on federal projects. So I'm doing a little bit of work for the U.S. government, specifically the Veterans Affairs Office at the moment. So um, primarily consulting, just advising on best use pla- best use cases, a little bit of power platform governance. But I actually focus a lot on power virtual agents, really fun.
0: And with customers all the time, what's your last memorable customer experience? as a customer.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, So I would have to say my most memorable recent experience and I'm going to tie it into Power Virtual Agent because that's what I've been doing recently is the Power Virtual Agent or the PVA that I built for the White House. So we did a bit of a proof of a concept for the White House and I built out a HR bot which basically was called Fala. So for anybody who is a bit of an American history buff, Fala was actually Roosevelt's dog and it allowed people People onboarding with the administration to interact with like a chatbot interface, so that was super fun and definitely cool to talk about that a little bit more later on.
0: Power Virtual Agent, you call it PVA then because it's shorter.
1: Yeah, so Power Virtual Agents is quite the mouthful, <laughs> as we've tried yeah. a couple of times today. So I have shortened it, or most people will have shortened it to just PVA. The uh, the name, the letters of the word power virtual agent
0: yeah yeah it's a lot easier to say so we'll stick to that today i think so perfect pva what is it then? What can it do?
1: So this is something I get asked a lot. It's actually the fourth member of the Power Platform family. So everybody knows Power Apps, everybody knows Power BI, and of course, Power Automate. The fourth member of the Power Platform family is Power Virtual Agent. And think of it as a chatbot. So let's say you are on Amazon and you want to return an item, but you need to speak to somebody to return the item. Power Virtual Agent is actually that chatbot interface that you use to kind of speak with an audience automated virtual agent in helping you resolve a particular problem that you might have or if you want to ask a question. So it's basically a way of being able to get answers to questions very quickly without actually having to call or speak to a human. And as a millennial myself, I absolutely love it because it means I don't actually have to speak to anybody on the phone. Really nice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I get scared of the phone sometimes as well. I I mean, calling someone is a little bit scary. Exactly. Yeah, and and it's also like I don't want to feel dumb. So actually, calling someone and then get like a, oh, not this again. It's kind exactly. of a relief not to have to get that response.
1: Yep, agreed completely. So having that text interface, it it allows you that extra time to decide what are you going to type? How are you going to type it? And it's not a person at the other end, it's automated. So no fear of looking stupid in front of the bot that doesn't care.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So PVA is like the step sibling of the other ones? Or how do you feel it's treated in the Power Platform family?
1: So it's still relatively new. It's quite exciting. People who've built out their first chatbots in PVA in a day, for example, really like how it functions because it's on the Power Platform family. It's got Dataverse as its underlying layer, so it can communicate with all areas of the Power Platform via Power Automate.
0: So Dataverse, you say, in what way is it like in Dataverse? Does it store anything there? Can I access that from the Dataverse part then?
1: It's a really good question. So it can store things in Dataverse for you. So think of it as basically a really nice interface, being able to retrieve data from Dataverse or send data to Dataverse to surface up in a model-driven app later on or Dynamics later on. So it can be used in that way. Uh, It is accessible via the Maker Portal, the standard Power Platform Maker Portal that we all know and love. And it can be stored in a solution. Um, It can be imported and exported just like every other Kind of solution, so it's it sits on Dataverse in that regard. I think of it more of a communication tool for Dataverse rather than like a model driven app where you are inputting data. If that makes sense,
0: yeah, yeah, it does make sense. But sometimes it actually it more like generates data then than you actually use it for import or...
1: It generates some data with regards to like CSAT at the end. So if you want to see how well your bot has been performing, that kind of thing, it will generate that kind of data. But for with regards to like inputting actual data it's more of like a like a canvas app almost that you can kind of like you know put in different data that the chat bot can then or the pva bot can then basically relay that back to dataverse power automate
0: okay so you can build like forms as well with it so you can have like that in the chat window itself then
1: It would be more of like a chatbot type four would be like, you know, what is your name? And then you type in your response and that response will get stored as a variable. And then once the bot has retrieved all of the information it needs from you, like, let's say if you have a claim number or you need to insert more about a contact, once the chatbot has all of that information stored as a variable, you can then use Power Automate to basically write that data back to use later on.
0: Nice. But mm-hmm. the bot here is not like a bot in UI flow. It's where we have like a robot in robot process automation, but it's more like a chat bot, just that, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's very much front end facing, it's end user in mind. So, you know, the way we think of model driven apps as being back end and being very much data driven, whereas Canvas apps are more UI or end user driven. Power Virtual Agent is purely end user driven. So it's going to be just from the per- from the perspective of a human being interacting via text message with an automated chatbot.
0: Okay, text message that implies it has more than just a web interface. Then can you have like different channels that are text based?
1: Mm-hmm. So it is very much text-based. Uh, it can be surfaced up upon your custom website. It can be surfaced using Facebook Messenger is a really cool way you can do things with it. And also it can be used within Teams now as well using Dataverseverse, which is super cool. I'm very excited about this.
0: <laughs> That's nice. And that gets a challenge as well. Can you give that, the chatbot and it will reply to you? Or
1: <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, the introduction of Dataverse for Teams is super neat, though, because it's kind of like um, you know the way Dataverse is free with your team subscription, so you kind of get a flavor for what Dataverse feels like. Being able to use PVA on top of that is a really nice way of thinking of it as like a freemium feature. So you can basically build out your PVA, test it out, trial it with different teams. And if you like it, you could then promote it to full Dataverse later on or make it more uh, customer facing. So it's really exciting to see it being used in that way.
0: And I mean, that opens up a whole sort of sliding here now because Mm -hmm. it started as a text base but if you can send images to it and respond and gifs or memes Mm -hmm. that that opens up a whole kind of a more cultural chatbot then that can perhaps later on um, i mean understand and reply to your memes in that chatbot ah it sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think um, a really good example of this was one of the first ever PVA bots I built was with my good friend, Mary Thompson. And the two of us built out like a choose your own adventure chat bot, which was aimed at like helping children with the lockdown period that we have. And it would surface up images of like homework or images based on different things that the child would select within the bot. So yeah, it, there's so many different ways PVA can be used, not just as like um a chatbot to help you solve customer service problems, for example, but it can be used in really fun ways too, such as choose your own adventure or the virtual bartender that I have built recently for a local bar here in Philadelphia. Uh, so many different applications.
0: Cool. The virtual bartender. What did you do with that?
1: Ah, so my virtual bartender was probably the reason PVA kind of became super popular for me, I think. Uh there's a little bar here in Philadelphia not far from where I live called the Black Taxi and it's an Irish bar. And my very good friend, Neil, is the bartender there. And Neil is from Northern Ireland. And for those of you who are not familiar with Northern Ireland, people from that part of my country have a very thick accent. And sometimes it'd be quite difficult to understand if you're not familiar with how that accent sounds. And so pre-corona times, it was, you could kind of figure out what he was saying. You know, his accent was still quite thick, but You could kind of figure it out. But now Neil has to wear a mask, obviously, because of the times that we currently live in. And so it's literally impossible to know what he's saying. Like You just can't figure it out. You just order and you hope for the best. So what (laughs) I did was I built the virtual bartender, which was basically modeled against Neil. And what it would do is... You could interact with it by ordering food, you could basically ask what drink specials there were, you could do like a beer quiz to figure out what kind of beer you should order, all completely through PVA. So I kind of called it Neil's translator a little bit because it allows people to still interact with him in a virtual way and it, by the end of it if they needed him, his attention directly the chatbot would then hand off directly to Neil and Neil could come over and then take your order, et cetera, like that. So the virtual bartender was a lot of fun to actually build and um, do some presentations on.
0: That ties up really well with sort of, okay, you have a, a, a topic that you want to explore, like mm-hmm. beer, for example. And then, okay, what kind of taste do you like? Do you like this or that? The the tree. Makes it really good for like the decision tree of that beer selecting process. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that this is a good example of how to model other chatbots?
1: Definitely. So one of the first things I did with Power Virtual Agent was actually a beer quiz, which led to the building a virtual bartender. And the beer quiz is something where you know you pick a certain answer, and then you pick another answer. And you get a totally different answer. So it's like using conditional logic or flows almost. So it is a really good way to mentally think through how your topics are built. So for those of you who are not familiar with PVA, topics are a component of PVA that allow you to handle how the conversation flows with the end user and the chatbot itself. And one of the things that is very important to think about when you're building out your topic, should this one piece of conversation be one topic or should it be a conditional flow within a topic, making sure that you aren't a, creating too many topics, or B, creating too few topics that I becomes to manage later on down the road was a lesson I had to learn very, very early on. So topic management is a huge thing for people to kind of wrap their head around when they're getting started.
0: All right. So the topics get sort of equally big in size, or, mm-hmm. or is that important at all? Or is it merely just the number of topics that are there?
1: So I think it's it's a balance, right? You've got to work out what balance works for you. So when we think about the beer quiz that was written, each particular question was its own topic. So for example, do you like bitter beers? Do you like hoppy beers? Each of those were their own question. And if we were to put the whole quiz into one topic, it would mean that later on down the road, if I wanted to add a beer to the quiz or I wanted to swap out one of the questions, it would actually be very tedious because I'd have to go into the topic and remap everything and it would take a re- really long time. Whereas if I just house the one specific question, one topic, it would be significant to just modify that part of the flow of the conversation rather than having to one topic and dig through where it was that I need to make that change. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And and is it easy to sort of work with language or, or words or do you have to take a lot of work with that because you now just said okay do you like this or that and Mm -hmm. the answer could be yes or no true false it could be either or i mean is it a lot of work with just the words and the language part of this or is it easy to get something to build to bring value fast with this framework?
1: It's a great question. So it can be built super fast. And what you can do is you can prep the bot to expect a specific answer. So let's say, for example, when I said, do you like hoppy beers? What it would do is it would produce two buttons that would say yes or no, but the end user could potentially type something into the answer the answer box as well. So it's important for us to basically anticipate how will a human interact with a specific bot. The other thing you can do Uh, is you can set up things called entities. And basically entities are going to be things that the end user may put into the chatbot and the chatbot will then understand how to process that. And the easiest example I can give you of what an entity in a PVA, and just to note for everyone out there who's Power Platform, it's not the same as an entity on Dataverse or a table in Dataverse or whatever we're calling it this week. It's a totally separate thing. It's specific to PVA. It's basically a way of you saying, hey, if my end user enters in, let's say, uh, Dell or HP or any other different kinds of brands of laptop, the PVA will know, Okay, this specific word is actually a laptop. Therefore, when I'm dealing with laptops, these are the different things that I should expect or how I should interact with it. So it'll be like a string rather than a number. So you, you can use PVA to set expectations with what kind of inputs it should expect if that makes sense. It's kind of like Lewis, if anybody's familiar with uh Lewis, but just on a much smaller scale.
0: Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. So so this is based on Lewis. So that is let's see here. It's the language understanding cognitive service from Microsoft. So this is pretty much mm-hmm. built on that. So you don't have to say, okay, hello, ha sorry, hello, hi, or some other greeting, it understands So okay, it's greeting me with something.
1: Yes, so I don't know that it's specifically built on top of Lewis, but I I couldn't answer that one for sure, but it acts very, very similar. So it's basically like um, a a baby version of Lewis, and I will also admit I have minimal knowledge of Lewis. In fact, I saw it today for the first time ever, so that's why I can make that comparison.
0: So great one to to bring that up today, then. So, Mm So we can talk about here okay um so so it's at least it sounds like okay you don't have to at least add all the variables here but mm-hmm. but you can sort of quickly bring value and specifically if you design it like you said okay the bot asks the questions and then the user more or less answers them like the decision tree that I asked about earlier. But mm-hmm. is it easy as well to have like open-ended questions so you have this chat bot like on the web page and you have like on the bottom right where it just like, okay, what do you want to do today? And then it's looking for keywords or something?
1: Yes. So I would probably say we're looking for trigger phrases here. So PVA has this concept of trigger phrases, which means when an end user types in a certain word, trigger this particular topic. And simplest example of that is when somebody types in hello or hi or a very obvious greeting. PVA will say, OK, that's the hello greeting or that's the hello topic. So therefore, I'm going to kick off this particular flow. One of the other things PVA is really good at doing is if it thinks – if it picks up two different topics that it thinks you might be trying to get at, it will say, did you mean this or this? And then the end user can basically select which topic that you hadn't on talking about.
0: Yeah, that's nice. So it's mm-hmm. it's not certain, so it asks us back. That's really clever as well. So Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's very much designed with the idea of how humans interact with each other in Maine. So it's not kind of like, you know, computers are very specific. It's, it's X or it's Y, it's black or it's white. If you are a human being, being, it's always gray or it's like it could be something totally arbitrary. So it's built with that kind of concept.
0: Yeah. And most of the time it's something on the scale, right? It's either this end or that end. It's always something in it. It's mostly something in between, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So have you ever had a question from a customer saying like, we want the bot to disguise it as a human?
1: I actually haven't had that particular question because I think once you start going down that road, human beings are very good at being able to determine when something they're speaking to is not another human being. And that can definitely be quite frustrating. So I would recommend using casual language, using language that people are easily able to date with for sure. But I wouldn't recommend being like, trying to imitate how a person would speak because in my opinion this purely just my opinion of how this feels it feels a little cheesy and a little forced and almost deceitful in some ways so i prefer to know hey i am chatting with a robot so therefore if it does something i'm not cool with i can ask and that's something pva handles very well
0: so do you recommend that customers say or the, the bot itself says from the beginning i'm a chat bot
1: Yes. Yeah, so I have noticed that with a lot of different bots that I have been interacting with, especially over lockdown, you know, we're not out and about as much as usual. So interacting with chat bots has increased tenfold. So once I know upfront, hey, this is an automated service. So, for example, I have been working with Carvana recently on purchasing a car. And their chatbot is fantastic. So straight out the gate, it tells you it's a virtual agent. It can help you with certain things. But it also reassures you from the get-go that if it's not able to resolve your question, you can be handed off to a human being. So I think people are less inclined to get frustrated. I always think of like when you call, let's say, an insurance company and they have that automated IVR where you have to go through the numbers or the steps or the ones you have to talk to. I hate those. Those are the worst. If I knew (laughs) up front that I could just say... I want to speak to a person or press the zero button. If I knew that up front, I would be more inclined to speak with the automated service rather than just hammer on the zero button, trying to speak to a human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, those that you can speak to and then you say something where, um, uh, and it's like, do you mean this? And it's, completely different Yeah, that that's always a nightmare
1: but, I'm sure you uh, can relate Marcus because we both don't have like American accents so if you're on an IVR and they don't understand your accent it's really frustrating
0: <laughs> yeah and, and in Sweden I'm from like the countryside so I have a di- different accent in Swedish as well so that, <laughs> oh, that's God. messed up as well so yes yeah, I can totally I relate to that yeah <laughs> so, so do, you, do you often bring in a human or like have that ability and how do you do that?
1: Mm -hmm. So with the project I'm currently working on for the Veterans Affairs, we work on the healthcare side of things for veterans. And the current PVA that we're building basically allows veterans to say, where is my nearest facility? When is my next appointment? Basic things. And PVA is great from an accessibility standpoint, too. So if you are a deaf veteran, for example, you're able to interact with this chatbot using text medium. So communication is really helpful. But what we've also done is we've uh, backed that onto Omnichannel as well. So PVA has this really nice built-in feature where you can hand off the PVA virtual chat to an actual human being working in a support center using live chat. And you can do that via Omni Channel, which is something we're currently doing at the VA, which is really, really cool.
0: So you can have like the chat can say, okay, since we're open now, we have some, some, agents available, they can Mm -hmm. send you to that or they can refer you to a different time where they have people that are online.
1: Exactly. So if they are on, there's a couple of ways you can handle that. If they're online, you just basically hand it off to the chat agent. If they're offline, you can basically suggest I will open a support ticket for you, which is a really nice way of also using Power Automate. So you could basically gather the information from the veteran in this case, and create a support ticket for that veteran that will get answered at a later time. Or you can give them the option of scheduling a callback. So multiple different ways of helping support that particular veteran.
0: Yeah, and that's always, and that's, Nicer as well, because then you don't bring it to the customer. To so you have to get back to us. Now we get back to you. Exactly. We already gathered the data. We know your question, but we can't really help you right now.
1: Yeah, and I'm seeing that more and more with um, different companies that I'm interacting with. So, for example, the other day I needed to call Chase, my banking company, and. It there was a twenty five minute wait, but instead of having to wait on the phone, they offer you a call back. So I think I'm seeing that implemented more and more, which is really nice, giving control to the actual customer instead of being like, No, sorry, can't help you, call tomorrow, which is nice.
0: Yeah. And especially if it's long calling queues like that, it's really nice to not have to like have the speaker on and just do other things. Yes. It's nicer just to get a call back.
1: Yes, I was on the phone to the DMV the other week and it was a finite wait time. So yes, it's really nice having that callback feature.
0: Uh, Yes, indeed. (laughs) All right, so where can I publish this button? We talked about that a little bit earlier, but can you just go through them again?
1: Yeah, for sure. There's multiple different ways. And it also depends on how you're authenticating with the bot. So for example, if you are using Azure AD as your authentication method, therefore you're probably using this chatbot internally, it can only really be published on Teams, which is where you could authenticate that particular user. But if you're not using any form of major authentication, or you're using something that's like not related to Azure AD, you could publish it on your website, for example, like they'd have to log in and then use it. But if you're using absolutely zero authentication, let's say it's just a public facing chatbot, you could have it on your website, you could have it on Facebook Messenger, you could have it, I think it interacts with Slack as well now. So there's several different ways you can publish your chatbot out there. Uh, the Teams part is kind of a little bit specific, though, that's, that's kind of a separate entity altogether.
0: So do you, do you feel that it's a big difference between public facing and internal ones from the ones that you've done?
1: For sure. So I've done both. So public facing would be the likes of the virtual bartender, for example, or the chatbot we're building for the VA, because you know, veterans are going to be interacting with the specific chatbot. Now, at some stage, the veteran may have to log in with their ID and be authenticated, uh, which we're still able to do, but we're doing that outside Azure AD authentication. But internally, for example, I built the chatbot for the White House as a proof of concept not so long ago to help the new administration onboard new people. That authentication was done through Azure AD directly through Teams. So you interact with the chatbot via Teams. It's just basically its own kind of, I think they're called tabs or channels on the left hand side in the Teams bar. And you interact with it. And that PVA bot already knows who you are. So we can pull out all of your details from Azure AD. If you are backing onto Dataverse or Dynamics, for example, It can also pull out some data from Dynamics just using your Azure ID and Power Automate too. So it all depends on your use case. If it's customer facing, you can definitely push it to like a website or to Facebook Messenger, which is really neat. If it's internal, Microsoft Teams tends to be the way to go in that case.
0: But can you have it internal on like a logged in power portal as well then? So you can have the customer log in, Perhaps search the knowledge base, ask some questions to that, and then you get that record like in dynamics that Yeah.
1: That's definitely something or, you could do. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: Do you call it transcripts or what do you call it?
1: Um the actual conversations. Those are yeah, definitely the chat transcripts. history. Mm -hmm. Those are called transcripts. And you can, you could very, it doesn't do it by default, as far as I know, I could be wrong. But as far as I know, if you wanted to pull that entire transcript and pop it into a record, for example, you could very easily do that using Power Automate. I'm
0: not sure that you want to do that, but perhaps the intent, what were they looking for? Did they find what they were looking for? Uh, Were they satisfied with the bot's? Things like that would probably mm. be helpful to have in Dynamics.
1: For sure. So at the end of every PVA conversation, the end user has the ability to trigger off like a CSAT uh, type survey. How did you like the bot? What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? And you can also access a dashboard within Power VA um, or PVA's actual dashboard to see how well is your chatbot performing? Are people satisfied? What topics are performing really well versus what topics cause people to drop out of the P- the PVA bot? All that good stuff. So there is a ton of analytics behind the actual bot itself as well.
0: And that's really important for me because otherwise you don't really have any insights to what's happening over there. And, mm-hmm. and you want that to sort of deflect use cases, but still be helpful to the users and not just annoy people away, right? (laughs) 100%
1: because you can test this with five human beings and each person is going to interact with this chatbot differently. But once you let it loose on the public, you're going to have hundreds, potentially thousands of different personalities interacting with this chatbot. And you're never going to satisfy every single case. It's just, it's not possible. You need to basically be able to have fallbacks for when somebody interacts with your chatbot in an an unexpected way. So testing is great. And I highly, highly recommend testing chatbots for sure with as many people people as possible. But once you let that lease into the public, you don't really know how they're interacting with it. So having that analytics on the back end is super, super important. So you can see this topic causes a lot of confusion. I guess I need to twist it or kind of configure it to make it work a little bit better for the majority of people.
0: So, do you feel like you have any like we have to hit these statistics in the test to be able to release it, or do you have any recommendation recommendations there?
1: It's, it's a hard one to answer because again human beings are so unpredictable right you just don't know how somebody's going to interact with your chatbot so I definitely recommend testing it with a broad range of an audience if you can so I would include uh, genders in that case so males and females depending on how they would interact with the chatbot specifically different age ranges is going to be very important so my grandmother for example would probably interact with the chatbot a lot differently to how I would interact with a chatbot for example so making sure that your test audience is as broad and diverse as you can possibly make it.
0: All right. So you don't just use some internal testers because they probably know the domain already and use the right wordings. So you Mm -hmm. don't get that tested. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's why you're on and not me here, so. (laughs) All right, going back to to publishing it, can I connect data sources to this as well so I can have a database of things that it can look at, like the knowledge base or something? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so this is a super cool part of PVA as well, is that it has the ability to look at an FAQ page that you may already have in your website and pull all of those questions and answers down and create them as topics, So it kind of has that already built in. So I would say like your website is the data source in that case. Literally, all you do is you paste in the URL of where all of your FAQs are at. And what PVA will do is it will run through all of the questions and all the responses and build you out what are called suggested topics. So these are topics that are not turned on yet. So you would go in and say, okay, this question would have these trigger phrases and this is the response it would have. And if it looks right to you, you can turn them on. So it's a really nice way of very quickly spinning up a bunch of topics that are relevant to your PVA.
0: Yeah. So that means that the, the knowledge base or any other FAQ that you have is really valuable in these situations if you're building mm-hmm. like a customer service bot.
1: Definitely. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, so what data sources have you used and, and worked with?
1: So primarily Dataverse as the backend, that's that's really the best source that you're going to have because it's on the Power Platform and I am a Power Platform um, evangelist, I think is the right word to use. Um, so primarily Dataverse in that case, but definitely FAQ websites as well. You can connect it into different data sources as well using skills, which is something I've just started to learn a little bit about. So that's a new part of PVA that people have been playing with, which is kind of fun.
0: So can you connect it to other parts as well so you can have the analytics in, I don't know, Power BI work with this since it's Dataverse already? Mm -hmm.
1: So if it's in Dataverse and you can pull it through using Power Automate, you can definitely use it. PVA has this really cool concept of variables. So you can basically set a variable to anything in Dataverse itself or set a variable to anything the end user inputs and then do some comparisons using Power Automate if needed. So yeah, if it's on Power Platform, if it's in Dataverse, you can use it with Power VA.
0: And then you talked a little bit about Teams here that you can deploy them Mm -hmm. to Teams as well. But you said that you can build them straight into Teams. Is that the data for the new Dataverse for Teams then that we're talking about? Or
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm super stoked about Dataverse for Teams. I was very, very lucky to get to be one of the first people to build an enterprise-wide application on Dataverse for Teams for a very large organization in the US. So I've learned a lot in recent times about it. So being able to... Actually build out your PVA so the maker experience is actually right directly in Teams means that it's way more accessible for your employees or your teammates to actually build something and interact with it in a specific team channel, which is really cool. And
0: that means that all of that authentication is already handled because, yeah, well, you have to be on Teams and in that specific team already.
1: Yes, exactly. So it's exact same as Dataverse for Teams. It is team specific, and it's only accessible to that specific team and people who are on that team. Yep.
0: And that means makes sense as well because then you already have it there. You just add a new channel or something, or what do you call it? Do you call that as well a skill in Teams or not? What's it called?
1: Um, skills are something different for sure with PVA, but it's just you, called a regular team. It's an
0: app, right? In teams.
1: Yes, you exactly. An app. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Everything is an app as well.
1: <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, yeah, well uh, I have an app here. What do you mean by app?
1: I'm super excited about the introduction of Dataverse for Teens just because I find that working with clients, the actual licensing of regular Dataverse can be quite intimidating depending on how you're intending on using it. So Dataverse for Teens is a really great way of being able to introduce the concept of Dataverse to a company without any of the risks of cost. So once you're able to show them how great using Dataverse as a As a bottom layer for all of your applications, including PBA, you can then basically justify the cost to the actual customer, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, because it's included in the Dataverse or sorry, the Microsoft Teams license. So if you have that, then you have the Power Virtual Agent for Microsoft for Teams, then.
1: Yep, exactly. I don't think a lot of people realize that, and it's very exciting.
0: So how does licensing for regular Dataverse works then?
1: So for regular Dataverse, it's going to depend on whether you're doing a per user or a per app licensing. I am not a licensing expert by any means, so it's definitely not something I'm super confident in talking about for sure a lot of the times. I just know it can be definitely a deciding factor for a company if they want to go down that route as their data source. Uh, So being able to use Dataverse for Teams to proof out the value of that is really important. But if we're talking about PVA, the introduction of PVA for Dataverse for Teams is extremely valuable because PVA as a standalone product right now is super expensive. I don't have exact numbers because they change constantly. I just know that every time I've looked at them for a potential client, the cost has always been the deciding factor in not going for PVA. So being able to show them how PVA works in a team's basis has been extremely valuable in justifying costs.
0: So, I just looked at pricing now, and we're recording this on the 2nd of March. So, it will be a while before this is published. But today it says that for 1,000 US dollars, you get uh, 2,000 sessions per month. So, this is mm-hmm. one grand per month, then probably if you at go for the session based. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm,
1: so that's even at a minimum. So it it only goes up from there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably lower per session though. But yes.
1: So it can be pricey.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then another four fifty, four hundred and fifty US dollars per month for another thousand sessions. So yeah, yeah. So what's a session then? Is that like a topic, or just from beginning to end in a? PVA?
1: Good question. So it's basically from initiation of the conversation straight through to them basically filling out the survey. That's considered one session. Otherwise, if they drop out of the session, I think it's a 24 hour period. So if they don't come back within 24 hours, that's considered one session.
0: Okay, then. So if you just have something welcoming people, that could be pretty expensive. It's, or do they have to type something into it? Or you can sh- sort of show it, but doesn't.
1: Yes, so you have both options. You can either have a PVA trigger immediately upon um, opening up a web page, for example, or you can have it that it will only trigger based on interaction with the human being.
0: Yeah, that's nice to have multiple options here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've uh, gone through most of here. Do you feel that we missed anything here today, Emma?
1: sounds like we covered everything pva is just such a versatile application it can be used in so many different ways so for example i'm currently obviously using it at the va facility helping veterans and using it as an accessibility tool which is really cool But you can do really fun things with it too, such as the virtual bartender that I talked about, or even doing it as a way to check in with family and friends. Like I know Kylie Kisser has actually created a chatbot that interacted with her parents on her behalf during lockdown because they were constantly communicating with her and she needed some space, I think it was. So it can be used in so many different fun ways. Um, Actually, another friend of mine, Matt Collins-Jones, he also created a full personal assistant using PVA as well. Super. Super cool, you should definitely check that out
0: so then you sort of add it to okay the the one with the, the communicating with the parent, then you can add it to your personal Facebook messenger as well, not just your <laughs> corporate one as as I thought we were talking about earlier then.
1: I should put one on my LinkedIn. I never use my LinkedIn to respond to any messages. I should create one for that. I think that would be great. Just, just <laughs> replying,
0: I'm not here. Go over there. Yeah, and stuff. That,
1: that's pretty much. What, it's on an auto reply. So if anybody reaches out to me on LinkedIn and gets my auto reply, I'm just, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, it works, right? If you have that auto reply set up, yep, yep, I'm not here.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, where do I go if I want to know more? Then.
1: So many places, PVA is a hot topic right now. So I have written a couple of blogs on how to get started in a couple of different ways and using PVA on my own blog, which is tattooedcrmgirl.com. But I also have some friends of mine who've written some really interesting things. So Matt Collins-Jones that I mentioned earlier, he goes by D365Geek. He has written some really cool blogs on PVA and that personal assistant that I mentioned as well. So those are really great resources. But of course, as always, docs.microsoft.com, our very best friend, will always have all the up-to-date information.
0: Yeah, just send me that link afterwards so I be, can be sure to add it to the show notes. Your sure. page, the com, that was pretty easy to find, but uh, Matt Collins, we will have to add. So do you have any public speaking, perhaps virtually now, scheduled?
1: So I'm actually taking a little bit of a break from public speaking. I think this last year has been all online speaking. And while I absolutely love talking about things like PVA and Power Platform, I'm taking a little bit of a break just to kind of recuperate because it definitely wears you out really fast. But I have done some really fun fun speaking sessions on uh, the Power Platform community conference that was last year. I did one on the virtual bartender and that was actually recorded. So I can happily send you a link to that. That one's that one's kind of a fun one to watch.
0: Yeah. And this will probably be scheduled to be uh, um, released the 14th of April. So um, hopefully uh, we can get people to join. Or has it been been then already?
1: It's already happened. So it happened last year. So it's already recorded okay, and yeah. all done and out there. Yeah, so it's, it's just really me who, nice who doesn't way. follow along. <laughs> that's totally okay. It's not a problem.
0: Uh, and then we can find you on Twitter, TattooedCRMGirl.
1: Yes, that's me.
0: Uh, LinkedIn, probably not done. And then your homepage, TattooedCRMGirl.com. Anything else? Yes.
1: Um, if you like pictures of cats, I'm on Instagram as well with lots of cat pictures.
0: All right. I will add Instagram as well then. <laughs> okay, anything else? Do do you want people to find you on YouTube?
1: Um, my YouTube channel is quite sparse. There's not a whole lot on there. There's a couple of streaming things on there, but that's also Tattooed CRM Girl. If you want to take a look at the Dunder Mifflin show that I recorded a couple of times on there, and that's basically implementing power platform for Dunder Mifflin paper company.
0: Ah, that's nice. I will add it just just for fun then.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: All right, then. Thank you, Emma, Emma Darcy, for your participation in CM Rocks.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Marcus. It was an absolute pleasure.
0: And thanks to your listening. And don't forget, you can comment on CMRocks.com or you can just subscribe anywhere. Just, si- just search for CM Rocks in your favorite podcasting player and you will find it right there. See you next time on CM Rocks.